another good thing about it, I think, is for someone like us, like we're living in North America, right? For us to go somewhere all the way to say Africa or somewhere even in the Middle East, some of those regions, like it's expensive to fly there, right? On one of my holidays, I just went to Egypt. It would be one of those things where it's like, oh, maybe I'll do that later because it's further and more expensive to get there, right? But for yes. me, I was like, okay, great. I went to Egypt, I went to Lebanon. I think next holiday I might go to Jordan or Turkey. Like all these things are kind of more accessible. So it's right. it always brings different opportunities for you once you're in a region that you, know, you haven't been before. There's always gonna be other new things close by, which is kind of nice. Hi everybody, you are listening to the Solo Female Travel Podcast. Recent figures show that more women are traveling than ever before, and most of the women you hear on this podcast have turned their life around thanks to solo travel. I am Luca Almenares, and in this podcast, I talk with amazing fellow solo female travelers to discuss personal growth, changing mindsets, and we share advice and strategies on how you can do the same. Hi and welcome to a new episode of the Solo Female Travel Podcast and for this episode I invited Danica Smith to share with us about her experience of teaching and living in Iraq. Personally this episode was eye-opening for me because honestly I didn't know much about Iraq and the little I knew was based on the news and information from the internet that I found and you know it was not very friendly information. So it was great to hear about her experience living in this country, navigating this culture. And if you would like to get in contact with Danica, you can find her across of all her social media platforms as The Overseas. So how did you find out that you could teach in Iraq? Good question. It wasn't part of my original plan at all. So I actually applied to an international company that has countries in pretty much, I think, every continent. But I applied to a position in Kenya. And then after I applied, I had an HR reach out to me and say, hey, actually, we have a position in Baku, Azerbaijan, and also in Erbil, which is Iraqi Kurdistan. And after looking up some stuff about the two, I ended up deciding to take their offer in Erbil. And that's kind of how I ended up there, which is Iraq, but it's like its own entity. So Kurdistan, which I'm sure you'll ask me about, it's its own little thing as well. So it's a little interesting place. Okay, so you find out that and like the decision to move there because these are known as level four countries. And I'm pretty sure you had your experience on setbacks from the people around you. I mean, the most ridiculous comment I got was <laughs> one of my friends, she goes, I know what I'll give you before you go away. An anti-stoning whistle. I don't even know if that makes any freaking sense at all, right? Um, but that was the most ridiculous comment. She was joking. You understand where I'm coming from. Yes. But, you know, my stepdad, his mom was like, don't you watch the news? And I was like, yeah. I also look into places more, which is, I think, maybe why my dad was actually pretty easygoing and supportive about it after he also did his own research. So I think maybe because they know before I go places, I try to look up stuff and understand what really goes on and this. 
I think they trust me a little bit more to know that I do that. So maybe they're like, well, that sounds pretty crazy, but I trust that you've done this, right? Yeah, okay. But from parents, you know, it, it took a little bit of like discussion, but in the oh. end. Okay, in the end you did it. And how long were you there for? I was there for about 10 months. I moved there last August and then I just came back last week and I'm planning on going back, which is the other side of the story. But the main reason why I felt comfortable actually, like what I usually do is look up some other solo female travelers and if they've gone there and what is their experience. And after seeing like a lot of positive response from both men and women traveling there and like I'm also pretty well traveled. So I have a little bit more experience. So I a little bit more comfortable. But seeing that I was like, okay, we're good here. I did read one bad experience about someone in Azerbaijan in Baku. So I was like, maybe kind of leaning towards that option. So that ended up happening. But it is a it's a very stable area. I mean, my life, as far as security goes, like how safe I feel walking around where I was living versus in Toronto, like, honestly, like there's some areas in Toronto that I would feel very uncomfortable walking around. But over there, like I've never really felt that discomfort which is an awesome thing. Yeah. yeah. So now I wanted to ask you about your experience living in Iraq, like living in that country, mm -hmm. connecting with the locals, experiencing the cultures. Like first, when you arrived there, do you experience any cultural shocks? Um, yes and no. I already knew a little bit about like the diversity of the people. Um, basically in Erbil, it's Iraqi Kurdistan. And in this region, First of all, it's it's kind of its own entity wherein like there's separate borders. I guess to explain it this way, like for us to travel to Iraq, if we go into Baghdad, well, with my passport anyways, you need a visa beforehand, although I think they're offering someone arrival. But the visa to go into Kurdistan is actually its own separate thing. It doesn't have to do with entering to like Iraq proper, I guess you would say. So going in there, I already knew that, okay, I'm going to have... It's a little bit too blunt to just put it into two groups, but to simplify it, there's the Kurdish people and then there's like different small groups and like Arab people and two languages, two main ones, sort of. So coming in, it's like, okay, there's sort of already this diversity. It's not all like, say, a Muslim country as well. So there's some diversity in religion, which makes it kind of unique in some ways, maybe compared to what someone would already think. I'm not an expert about all the different groups of people there. So I don't want to say um, too much because I don't want to make myself sound stupid. But as far as shocking, I really, I didn't feel a shock. Maybe because I already sort of did some research and I knew what to expect in terms of the people there. Maybe that's why I like the way people dress. But even that is quite normal. Like I would say it's more on the conservative end. But at the same time, I could go outside with say shorts or something. Maybe I'll get some looks by some people, but I'm not going to like get arrested. Like it's not anything like Saudi, you know what I mean? Yes. So it's pretty, it's pretty lenient in that sense. And maybe that is because of there's more diversity of religions of people practicing there. So maybe that helps. But okay. the only weird shock to me, which I would have felt, I think, going into several countries in the Middle East, and this is so weird. But I'm going to put it out here. The shocking thing for me was the degree to which women get cosmetic and plastic surgery. I was shocked. Nose jobs are like nothing. 
you know, like even very young girls are getting this kind of work done. And I know it's probably getting more common here. I was talking to my stepsister and she was saying, oh, yeah, even Toronto girls are getting like lip injections and things. But I still think over there it's like to a much greater degree. I was not used to that. Wow, that's amazing. When I ask you about your experience there, it's cute through a shock. I will not expect acid surgery as an actor. Yeah, I know, which is why I was like, the, re the only thing that I was like surprised by was that. Other than that, the other shocking thing, though I kind of expected this, like this would be more expected, is in Kurdish culture, for sure, if you have like a strict Muslim family, the way that girls are brought up there and how they're expected to live is kind of like crazy. A girl like my age, I'm, if you're not married, so let's say up until you're married, because even if you're 28, a lot of these families do not let them go out anywhere like alone without knowing who they're with. After dark is like big no-no. So it's very strict, you know, and even up until like they're engaged Even then, it's like, okay, well, you still have to be careful. Like, you cannot be seen with a guy there if you're not publicly engaged. So they make a big deal of these things also. I went to an engagement party right before coming back home here. And it was, I was shocked. I was like, this is what y'all do for an engagement? And that was shocking to me. And it wasn't until someone explained to me, well, the reason is that they want to make it very public that they're engaged so that if someone sees them out in public together, like the couple no one's going to say something or no one's going to report it back to the family and say, ooh, watch out for your daughter, X, Y, Z, you know? That, it's kind of weird. No, it's, I mean, do you remember our first episode where we yeah. said other cultures are not weird? So, <laughs> yeah, so. and it, you know, it's, It's how they grew up. And to them, it's, yeah, it's, it's very normal, you know? And when I'm asking these questions, I try not to sound like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not judging. I just really wanted to understand. I was like, okay, well, why are we making a big deal of the engagement? Well, this is why. Yeah. And I think some families, it really depends on, on the family as well. Family. Like, it, this is not like across the board. But I would say, like, majority of the families yeah. is how they're operating with their daughters, which is I mean, interesting. It is. It is very interesting. Like when you grow up with a set of belief, and that's what you're surrounded by, um, actually about the plastic surgery in Venezuela. Mm. I don't know right now. I left the country eight years ago. But when I was growing up, plastic surgery was a thing to do. And for mm. your quinceañeras, which is when you turn 15. Oh my the, God, 15. Yeah, the yeah. common thing, like at least in my school, uh, most of the girls got uh, boob surgery. At and 15? At 15, yes. Some other got a nose job too and a liposuction. I always tell this story that to me, that was the norm. And I was just like, if it was up to me, I would have gotten plastic surgery. But of course, my parents didn't let me and I didn't have the money. I had to move <laughs> to the US to be like, oh, hmm. no, I don't need plastic surgery. So, wow, that's super interesting. I have heard someone, and I think they were from Colombia, but they told me something similar. I haven't been there, so I, I haven't like experienced that myself, but that's interesting you say that. Yeah, yeah so I wanted to bring it to the yeah. conversation because, you know, sometimes we see other things in other cultures and it's like, wow, this is so different, so interesting. But for me as a person that grew it up was normal. in that culture, it was normal. So beauty standards are different as well. So Yeah. For sure. So I'll tell you what, if you go over there or you go to like, uh, I was also in Lebanon, same thing. You go there, you'll be like, ah, the women look normal. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think twice, probably. Maybe you're used to it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Now I got used to how it is here in North America. Yeah. So oh, okay, yeah. It will be some sort of a shock. But let's go back <laughs> to your experience in Iraq. Yes. 
you were there teaching. Um, how was the application process for that program? It was pretty simple, and I think probably similar to a lot of international schools. Kind of a basic requirement to teach English overseas is that you have like the bachelor's in a program where the main English is the main language spoken is English. What else? I have I have also like a TEFL certification, but I don't remember if that was required or suggested for theirs. And just some basic experience working with with kids and some teaching experience was what I needed. But it was it was pretty simple. Like I had two interviews and. Other than that, just had to prepare like my own documents like they need. I also think this is quite standard because I also in the past I applied to Korea and Japan and they also need like a notarized copy of your degree, things like that. Nothing too complicated. And then once I had my flight, it was just I show up. And as far as like work visa stuff, actually, the school helped take care of that, which was good. And pretty much it honestly it wasn't complicated (laughs) but I think that like because all these international schools are used to obviously bringing in expats they have most things pretty well organized and step by step making it easy for people you know okay okay so I know you're back in Canada now from teaching and yeah uh, you told me that you are going back why yeah I'm gonna try and keep this brief basically after I guess about Halfway into the year, I was like, man, I really don't think I want to do this again. I'm too exhausted. I want to have some more energy and time to dedicate to um, the book that I'm writing, my memoir, which we talked about last yeah, time as well, for I'm sure. still waiting for it. <laughs> still a work in progress because I didn't have time. Um, because of that, and earlier in the year, like kind of shortly after I moved, I got into a relationship with a guy there and you know, things kept going and it got kind of serious. And, you know, I would have been happy to move and go somewhere else. Like that was kind of my plan. I wasn't really planning on staying there longer originally, but he has his own things that he needed to sort out his PhD studies and also like work things to close off. So he's like, I really, you know, I, I'm happy to move somewhere with you, but you know, I just need to finish some stuff up. So we came to the agreement. We're like, okay, I need to get another year here. Worst case scenario, I teach again here, but that would suck because I want to work on my book and I want to have some more energy to do so. Then came the crazy suggestion from him. He was like, well, you dance. I have like a lot of experience in ballet and different streams. Like I danced for a very long time up until university, basically. So it was a really big part of my life and it's something that I'm very passionate about. And so he said to me, he's like, you know, I know this studio in this part of town and I think they do ballet there. Two weeks later, I didn't even look up them directly. I started looking up different jobs to see what might be available in the city. And sure enough, the place that he mentioned, I literally saw a posting that said ballet teacher at the studio. I was like, no way. (laughs) So then I was like, okay, I should apply, right? I applied. I sent in like an email with my resume and stuff online. No reply after a week. I was like, "Mm, maybe they already filled it or what. I called and I was like, hey, I sent in my stuff. And they're like, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't check that email. Usually I'm going on this one. I was like, okay. So then literally within like, a few hours or less than and then I had the owner messaging me and the manager they're just like I need you to interview you actually have these qualifications that I really wanted and so I'd really like you to do the interview and it just so happened to be that after I did the interview she's like well I'm looking for someone come September which was perfect because 
I wanted to finish my contract. I didn't want to break it and I didn't want to leave my kids halfway through the year. Like, I don't like doing that. And, you know, no. like you do start something, you want to finish it, right? Right. So I was like, great. So I don't have to break the contract and I can go home for the summer, then start. I was like, perfect. Um, so because of like, it just felt like the right thing to do after that, especially after the job thing happened. I was like, okay, this makes sense. Like I already in my mind, I was like, okay, I want to stay and, you know, continue with this relationship. I'm willing to do it. And having that job that sort of just happened and that was so perfect. I was like, okay, this makes sense then. I think I made the right decision, you know? So that's, that's how it happened. Come the end of August, I'll be flying back looking for a new place to live. But other than that, everything should be going pretty smoothly. Wow. That is, I always say amazing, but yeah, that is amazing. So you're going back and to me, as a Western that is uh, very ignorant about that particular area of the war, um, just like when I find out your stories that you were teaching in Iraq and then how you came back and you decide to go back again and mm. you're even in your relationship. So that to me right now, I'm like, okay, you know, don't believe <laughs> It sounds crazy. Yes. I know. Every time I tell someone for the first time, they're just like, really? But you're going back. And you know what, actually, to be honest with you, it's not so much the fact that, you know, the place scares me. I don't want to be there. Not at all. Like, it's it's very stable and I, I don't have an issue with it. Like, okay, I'm not going to deny the fact that there has been, like, conflict. And, and there still is some political stuff sometimes, but I've really been disconnected from it, like, especially where I am living. But, you know... I've never felt unsafe. And if there were ever the chance that somewhere nearby was getting unsafe, I'm quite sure. I don't want to say 100%, but like I should be able to get myself away in time. But I really don't see that happening. But like I said, if it were, then I would just deal as it comes. But I don't really have an issue staying there. My only like inclination to leave was that I just wanted to experience being somewhere new. Not that I necessarily felt like I needed to go. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And let's say for someone that has the maybe the curiosity about visiting Iraq and or maybe going and teach there for some time, mm -hmm. what would you say to them? Oh, I would say just do it. I mean, if you feel like you want to just do it, like it's going to be a different place, especially like this was my first time being in the Middle East. So it was obviously going to be something new for me. And it's worth it. I felt like I really was able to do a lot while I was there. Where I've been living is not like the south of Iraq. South Iraq is a little bit more deserty. Where I live, there's lots of mountains and stuff nearby. So I think that's a lot preferable. That being said, it's still hot in the summer right now. I think today was only like 40 degrees, but it'll be getting hotter like next month. Wow. So as far as advice in terms of like climate and stuff, like just be prepared for hot and dry and the occasional sandstorm there was some pretty bad ones the last little while that i was there actually had school canceled because of sandstorms and that's... the dust yeah it can be very bad where like you can't see properly and driving and that's why that would be an issue that's a great experience i mean well yeah <laughs> it sounds bad but you said yeah. oh I, I, i'm not gonna go to war because of a sandstorm <laughs> i know i told that's, my parents that's pretty badass <laughs> It's pretty weird, right? And I actually, I remember the first time, I didn't even really know about it until getting there. That was one thing I didn't really think about. But if you go on the weather app, when this stuff happens, you literally, you know how you see like rain or clouds? No, you see dust. It literally just says dust. 
And then you see like this orange haze come across her screen. It's it's pretty funny. Wow. Okay. And also in terms of building community there. Mm, Um, That's a good question, too, because I think with a lot of people like me, I, I feel like can get along with locals and stuff. But as far as like the expat community is quite big. You have lots of people that work for NGOs and stuff, which are usually foreigners. As an example, like my boyfriend, he also works for an NGO um, and has been for a long time. And it's he works for an Italian organization. So if I'm going out and I'm meeting up with his work friends, it's like half the people there. I'm like, Erbil feels like I'm in somewhere in Italy with all these people. <laughs> like, it's very interesting. So definitely in terms of finding like a community, I think it's quite easy there. I would say probably compared to being in like South of Iraq, I think it's much easier there because it's, you know, a safer area. Though I I know some people that have traveled to the South and it's fine, but I think for the people's mindset, it's much more comfortable going there as opposed to the other region in Iraq, for sure. I will have never thought about it. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't know there were expats in that area. Um, Yeah. And you have like, international schools as well so they also bringing in people though i think they probably have a harder time bringing in people than other countries but obviously they they managed to do it i mean i was there right and you're here talking about your experience and someone listening can be like oh maybe i can go too yeah another good thing about it i think is well maybe there are better places like southeast asia like cheap flights moving around is quite easy same thing with like europe but at the same time For someone like us, like we're living in North America, right? For us to go somewhere all the way to say Africa or somewhere even in the Middle East, some of those regions, like it's expensive to fly there, right? On one of my holidays, I just went to Egypt and I was like, damn, I would have probably, let's not say never, but like it would be one of those things where it's like, oh, maybe I'll do that later because it's further and more expensive to get there, right? But for me, I was like, okay, great. I went to Egypt. I went to Lebanon. I think next holiday, I might go to Jordan or Turkey. Like all these things are kind of more accessible. So it's, it always brings different opportunities for you once you're in a region that, you know, you haven't been before. There's always going to be other new things close by, which is kind of nice. Thank you so much for that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) I didn't think about it so much either until I was there. I was like, huh, Egypt is only a two hour flight away. I think I'm going to do that. You know? Yeah. I feel like the biggest step will be like, oh man, like I'm moving to Iraq. I'm moving to this <laughs> other part of the world. Yeah. And then once you're there, yeah, other places are geographically closer. It's mm-hmm. just easier. It's a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. So on like short breaks, I mean, maybe you don't have so much holiday, but like even a week, like I went to Egypt for a week on one of my holidays and I was like, you know, it's not a long time, but it's better than nothing. So it was good. Like I kind of also am very grateful for that too, because even like going to, okay, Egypt is pretty like big on a tourist perspective, but like Lebanon, I never really thought I would go there, but I really enjoyed my time there. Like I had an amazing time exploring some of those places that I didn't know existed. And I think maybe that's why it surprised me and I enjoyed it. But even like the Kurdistan region itself, like I did not a lot, but a decent amount of like going to other cities and stuff. And I really like that, too. So, you know, that I interview this girl that she wrote a book called What Are the Terrorists? And it was oh. 
Yeah, oh it was about yeah. uh, her experience in Iran and Kurdistan. Mm. And it's interesting that you mentioned it because before interviewing her, I was researching Kurdistan. And mm. the first thing that shows up is that it's a level four country. And then the pictures that you yeah. see is like these men holding guns. And you were like, oh, maybe I will mm. never go there. But I mean, now that you're also in that part of the world, you're more familiar with that area. You went there. Mm. How was mm-hmm. your experience there? The gun thing is, um, it's interesting you mentioned that. And okay. I suppose I did feel a little bit weird about that at first. But the times where I've seen people with guns has been in, like, it makes sense. That they're all like security people or it's checkpoints at the road, things like that. And security at like, say, big buildings or sometimes the shopping mall. But they're people like it's security. So I look at them I'm like, okay, that's weird because back home we wouldn't have that. But... You know, it it is kind of part of it. I've never seen, like, a local person carrying around a gun. That I would be a little bit freaked out about. But I'm sure, like, well, there's places in the States where that's a thing. So, But I've never been there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that would probably freak me out a little bit. But after the first few times I saw it, I was like, okay, a little bit weird. But it is how it is. It's not like, I don't know, you're not walking down the street and you just see people with guns. Like, it's not like that. Yeah. But thank you for sharing that. It's it's good to hear from someone that was there and how was their experience versus only what you see on the news or read on the internet. So Mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And also now we know about Iraq because you live there and you are going back. Yeah, end of summer, I'll be back. Once it starts cooling down there, I'm going to be back. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So uh, this season, I always ask like, oh, what projects are coming up next for you? But now we know that you're going back focusing on your relationship yeah. and and my book and a new a new job opportunity which makes a lot of sense for me which is I'm very happy about that's amazing and I wish yeah. you all the best and thank you for anyone listening to this that wants to get in contact with you where can they find you you can find me on Facebook or Instagram d overseas that's the handle and that's the Facebook page. I do have my website as well um, where you can read excerpts from my book. Like I'm sharing some stories there as well on my blog. That's doverseas.com. Via email through my website as well, d at doverseas.com. You can email me there and it uh, comes straight to me. I've cut back on my social media activity mostly because it felt very, A, exhausting. I was very busy um, with work. And B, this is kind of the bigger reason. It felt very contradictory to what I write about a lot and it didn't feel quite right. So that's kind of why. I may come back and post here and there, but it's definitely not going to be as frequent as I was trying to do in the beginning because it just felt a little bit fake. I didn't like that. And maybe you can relate to that a little bit as well. I don't I can know. relate to that a lot. It's a weird place. You know, I go on there and I look at stuff sometimes. I'm like, yeah, no. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how people can get addicted to like scrolling through things. I really can't. Like, I'm on there. I check my messages. Maybe I see some stuff from people and, you know, people that I feel like connected to, like on a good level. But really, I, I don't have energy for it. <laughs> yes. Now, I think on both sides of the spectrum, I feel like, oh, I'm social media detox. So why am I using this? And I think mm. on the other side where I am actually addicted to it. And I know the one where you're addicted is not a good place to be. So I right. totally understand and I'm pretty sure that our listeners will understand as well. Mm-hmm, for <laughs> sure. I will make sure to leave the links to all your Perfect. Thank you. I do answer the Instagram messages. I don't ignore it completely. 
<laughs> she does. I check. <laughs> you, you can confirm that for us. Perfect. So, Dee, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for sharing about your experience with us. 